Well, hello again, and welcome back to another episode. I am covering The Last of Us, episode four, and this one is titled, Please Hold My Hand. And I'll let you know why that is the title a little bit into this episode recap. So once again, for this one, we didn't get a cold opener, but that's okay. I I mean, I'm missing those, (laughs) but it's okay. I I really hope we get one for the season finale at least. I feel like we're going to get a a longer opener for the the last episode of this season. At least I'm going to keep my fingers crossed cuz I I really do miss having a little bit of backstory um us going back to 2003 and and getting some little you know nibbles <laughs> along the way, little breadcrumbs along the way. Now, I say it every week. I absolutely loved this episode, and uh, I I do need to make a correction. I completely uh, made a a faux pas, as it were, on my last episode, um, Long, Long Time. I said that Bill and Frank had a 20-year love story, but really it was a 16-year love story because we were already four years into the fungal apocalypse when they actually met. And uh, I was like, oh, shit, I can't believe believe I messed up. And I said they had a 20-year love story, and I posted it all over, you know, social media and whatever. Um, I'm human. Sometimes I fuck up. It's okay. Everybody makes mistakes, you know? Um, It's just uh, one of those things that sticks with me, and I always like to go back and make corrections. So what I love about fuck-ups is it's a chance to get it right. You know, you learn and you get better when you fuck up. So I never take fuck ups as being a bad thing. Y'all are probably tired of me saying fuck ups, but <laughs> it's okay too. So I just wanted to clear the air about that. Let's see. This one, like I said, I absolutely loved it. We open up with uh, Ellie and she's looking in a mirror at what looks like a an old rest stop. I mean, obviously it's old because none of this shit's working anymore, but uh, she's in the rest stop and she's got the newly acquired gun that she um, found at Bill and Frank's and stashed in her bag. And she's a kid. So she's going around, you know, making the little, you know, pointing at herself, being a badass in the mirror. What I love about this particular scene is that she's armed. And she's actually smart enough to know to take one, the clip out, and also to take the bullet that's in the chamber. And then she goes back to the mirror and points the gun and clicks the trigger. Then she realizes she's been in there a little too long. So she starts getting stuff together, um, putting the clip back in and getting the bullet and, uh, gets outside, you know, just in case Joel decides to come looking for her. But when we see Joel, he's outside um, at the different cars and he's siphoning gas out of the cars because, you know, it's not like they can just go and fill up anywhere along the way. And I think she makes a comment like, do we have to stop and do this every hour? And he's like, yeah, you know, the gasoline has been sitting there. So it's not it's not potent like it's new. You know, these are, it, it's weak gasoline, but it's enough to keep us going. So he's filling up, you know, a, a, a gas uh, can um, just to kind of make sure they don't run out along the way, or at least so they can get to where another car is located. And 
it's really cute. This is um, different than the game only because when we see Ellie at this point in the game, she's still kind of horrified at seeing Joel offing bad guys, you know, but the TV version of Ellie seems almost exhilarated by it. And her mock gunplay shows exactly how anxious she is to participate. And, you know, dare I say, be like Joel. She wants to be a badass. So the other thing I love about this episode is that they keep a lot from the game. There is a (laughs) really cute scene where she breaks out a book of really terrible bad pun, almost dad-like jokes, like just they're cringeworthy. You find yourself laughing at dad jokes because they're just so dumb and you can't help it. But she finds this, you know, she found a book and it's filled with these jokes. And the scene on the show is really great because she's basically just torturing him (laughs) on this road trip as a kid would do with their parent. And, uh, I I really love it because she she just you know says the joke and then uh, you can see that he's just like this is gonna be the longest fucking road trip I can already feel it this is just the beginning of of her kind of giving him these really bad jokes and at this point he's like you know you can feel free to go wait in the truck. <laughs> he doesn't want to hear another bad joke. Uh, another thing about this episode is as they get back in the truck, we also get an almost word for word dialogue um, from the game. You know, she finds a another cassette tape and asks um, if this is going to make him feel all nostalgic. And it's actually a Hank Williams tape. So Joel is like, he retorts to her something like, uh, yeah, this is before my time, but it's a winner nonetheless. And in the game, it's kind of funny because the first song that they uh, played on that Hank Williams tape in the game is uh, "I'll Never Get Out of This I'll, I'll Never Get Out of This World Alive." I think that was the whole title, and uh, which I thought was pretty fitting considering you know what they were traversing in, but. In the show, it's a song called Alone and Forsaken, which gives us the lyrics that make up the title of this episode, the uh, Please Hold My Hand. And I thought that was kind of a nice touch. You know, they've kept a lot of that dialogue and a lot of the humor, which is why I fell in love with the game watching it. And then we also get, oh my gosh, one of my favorite, favorite parts of the game uh, Ellie is sitting in the back of the pickup and, uh, she comes across one of Bill's porno mags. <laughs> it's so cute. And so she asks Joel, you know, she's flipping through it and he's like, put that down. And she's like, oh, I want to see what all of the fuss is about, you know, and she's opening the centerfold and you can tell he's just like, what the hell? And, uh, it's so funny. She actually says, uh, why are these pages all sticky? And Joel is just like, he's stammering and he doesn't, he's trying to think of a, an answer without having to explain too much. And then Ellie just 
says, I'm just fucking with you and throws it out the window. So you can tell that that kind of wall is already kind of lifting a little bit and, and they're getting a little bit of bonding. You know, that's one of those things that happens when you're traveling from state to state with people. And, you know, if you're with friends, you tend to get a little closer, you make inside jokes. And I, I really like this this episode for that because we're now starting to see them build this kind of unbreakable bond that they're going to have as the show goes on. So as they're driving, you know, it's, it's once again, looking through Ellie's eyes because she's never been anywhere. And this is what you do when you're on a road trip, especially with family. They don't know that they're family yet, but especially with family, they're learning about each other and they're, you know, having funny conversations and, you know, for her, she's able to look out the window and, and see a lot of scenery. And, you know, I think at one point we see Buffalo out there just kind of grazing without a care in the world. Like there's nothing going on, you know, for them, they eat and they move on. And you see a lot of empty shops and empty gas stations and empty cars. And, you know, I said it before on, uh, the second episode, Infected, there is something eerily beautiful about seeing the world this way. And in the game, especially, the detail was just astounding, you know, and we get so much of that detail on this show. So Joel pulls off the road and uh, they're going to camp for the night and they enjoy a 20-year-old can of Chef Boyardee, to which Ellie says, uh, man, that guy was good. <laughs> and Joel agrees with her. And all I could think about was 20 year can a chef boy, you are going to have, excuse my French, like straight bubble guts, like good luck with the next morning when <laughs> you wake up. Cause no, nah, that's not for me. A 20 year old can, you know, I know he told her to get anything that wasn't dented. That's how, you know, it's not, you know, contaminated or it's going to make you sick. But even so, I I don't want to eat Chef Boy R.E.D. now. And, and, and we're not in the apocalypse. I, you know, I can only imagine a 20 year can, the damage that would do to my guts, but that's okay. I'm, I'm going to move away from the guts and the bubble guts as it were. Um, so then uh, Ellie wants to know if they can have a campfire. And of course, Joel is like, yeah, I'm going to say no to that. You, you know, and uh, you know, when you're out there camping, if you've ever been camping, it's fucking freezing out there. Even with the sleeping bags, even with your clothes on, it's freezing. It's fucking freezing. And so Joel tells her no. And he says it's not because of the infected, because they don't migrate that far. It's not because of Fedra, because once again, once Fedra's cleared something, unless they're looking for resources, they're not coming back. But it's because of humans. And he doesn't really elaborate too much on why we need to be afraid of humans. And I'm sure it's because he doesn't want to scare her with what they could possibly do. And it's a huge eye-opener for her. Um, she asks, well, would they rob us? And Joel pretty much tells her in a stern way, oh, they'll have way more in mind than that. 
And then as the show goes on, you'll see what he means by that. And, you know, I've already talked about it before, but, you know, humans are dirt bags, like they're awful people. Um, especially when, you know, shit has gone, the world is completely gone, topsy-turvy. The things they do to each other is unthinkable, but there it is. Um, you'll, you'll definitely see more of that. And we saw a glimpse of it, uh, not to jump shows, but we saw a glimpse of it in The Walking Dead, what people do to each other, especially when there's no no law, no real military, nothing to keep people in line. Uh, people, they go for their, their, their instincts and not everybody's instincts are good. Not everybody has good motives or, you know, just it's terrible to think, but as the show goes, unfortunately, you'll, you'll start to see those humans that we're, we're talking about. So they decide to pull out the sleeping bags, going to get a, a good night's sleep. You know, Joel's probably been driving nonstop and probably hasn't had a moment's rest. And so they pull out the sleeping bags. Ellie remarks that her bag smells really good. And Joel says, <laughs> it always cracks me up. He says, oh yeah, then that must've been Frank's bag. And in a sweet moment, she wants to ask Joel a question. And she's like, can I ask you a serious question? And he says, yes. And with a straight face, she asks why the scarecrow got an award. And he stops and Joel sits there and thinks for a minute and ponders. And he goes, because he was outstanding in his field. <laughs> and she says something like, you fucker, you know. <laughs> and then she does ask a serious question and wants to know if anyone is going to find them out there. And he says, no one is going to find us out here. But as he's laying down, he, you know, looks at his rifle and pulls it a little closer. And then we see that he ends up staying up most of the night to keep watch. So the next morning they get up and uh, <laughs> Ellie is so funny because she's awakened by uh, coffee percolating on like a little gas stove that they use to uh, to cook the Chef Boyardee that they were all in love with. And she goes over and smells it. And she's like, Oh, gross, you know? And he's like, what, you don't like coffee? <laughs> it's just a really cute scene. And, you know, the coffee's probably old and not, it's definitely not fresh, you know, depending on how long Bill and Frank have been gone. But, you know, I'm, I'm with Joel. I need my fucking coffee, man. I don't give a shit if it's like the oldest ground up <laughs> piece of crap. As long as it, as long as it makes me awake and it tastes somewhat like coffee, I'm good to go. They're packing up. And, uh, one thing I will say that they do have some differences between the game and the show, uh, coffee in this stretch of the game, coffee was, uh, one of the things that Joel really missed in his life. And, I think she even asked, Ellie even asked him in the game if he used to go to coffee shops and he said he did all the time. And then I think they see a coffee machine and Joel makes a comment that he misses coffee. So, you know, it's funny that they felt the need to put coffee in this aspect in the show. And like I said, when he asked her if she doesn't like coffee, she's just like, you know, wrinkling up her nose like it stinks, you know, that kind of thing. And then when they get in the truck, 
he's sitting there drinking it out of a thermos and she's like, it smells like burnt shit. And he does this complete dad thing where he pulls the thermos up to his mouth and he slurps it all loudly and smiles at her. So at this point, you can feel that they're starting to get a little bit more of the the bond is just is starting, you know? It's still slow, but it's starting. But they're starting to enjoy each other's company. Um, you know, we we know that because all of these nice warm moments are happening right now, that it's gonna turn to shit real fast <laughs> as things are, you know, just waiting for the shoe to drop, as they say, and it it drops like a fucking anvil. So she starts asking him some questions about Tommy and, you know, Joel being the rock that he is. He doesn't want to really talk too much, but, you know, he gives her a little bit of backstory that uh, Tommy likes to join things. You know, he joined the army right out of high school. And when the world went the way it went with this apocalypse, uh, he joined the Fireflies after he met Marlene. And now uh, he's not with the Fireflies, but, you know, he's he still wants to join things. So he wants to help him. And after Ellie listens to him, she says, well, if you don't think there's hope, why are you, why do you bother going on? And Joel gives her this really really kind of, it's one of those things I I think I just touched on a little bit on the last episode. If you want to keep going, you keep going for your family is what he tells her. And that's, that's about it. And Ellie says, well, I'm not family. And he says, no, you're cargo, but I made a promise to Tess and she was like family. And, you know, that's why we keep going on uh, when we think we can't, you know, because we we think of family, we think of the people we love. Um, those people don't realize it, but they give us something to live for. Ellie is doing the kid thing where she gets to be the uh, navigator and they're going one way and then they, you know, they're supposed to hit this interstate, but then it's blocked off. Now, immediately when I saw that, I was like, well, shit, they definitely blocked it off. So your ass only has, you know, one of a few ways to go. They probably have traps. And by they, I mean the other humans. And they get back in the car and they're trying to get, I guess, through Pittsburgh or around Pittsburgh. And he's asking Ellie, where do they go? And she's like, you know, give me a break, man. I This is like my first time in a car. You know, I've never been anywhere. And so they get there. And as they're kind of going through the city, through the street, um, another another game point comes out where this man stumbles towards them and he's asking him to help. And Ellie's like, well, aren't we going to help him? And he's like, no, he's not hurt. And tells her to put on her seatbelt and guns it towards this man who then pulls out a gun and starts shooting at them. And... They're hauling ass and Joe just realizes, you know, yeah, this is a trap. This is not good. Um, In both versions, the TV version and the video game, it's 
you know, traps that people lay out, kind of telling her about and warning her about. And then because there, you know, other people are attacking and, you know, people are throwing things off of roofs that land on the truck, smashes the windshield. And then there's a um, speed trap, like the road traps that burst your tires that cops would lay out. They end up running over those. And then Joel crashes the truck in the front of an old store. So they have a gunfight and we get to see exactly how much of a dead eye that Joel is. And he takes out most of the people in there. As they're having this fight, there's a hole in a wall across where they're barricaded. They're hiding behind the truck. And he tells Ellie to go in that hole and hide. And he then provides cover for her to go and get into the hole and kind of stay there. He's gunning these people down and he's pretty much taken most of them out. But then there's someone who sneaks up behind Joel and this guy basically is suffocating him to death. He's, you know, got the barrel of his shotgun and pressing down on him and Joel is pretty much done for. And Ellie sees and hears this and comes out with the Chekhov's gun that she found and was practicing with earlier and shoots him. Now in the game, um, she she kills him. She shoots this this assailant and kills him. But in the show, uh, he's the guy that she shoots. He's basically paralyzed. He can't walk. And he's begging them not to kill him. And, you know, just a few minutes ago, you were trying to choke this man to death. And I was like, mofo, you know, <laughs> you definitely are going to get it. And then he tells Ellie to go back into the hole. He takes the gun from her because he didn't know she had it in the first place and tells her to go back in the hole and hide. And you hear this young man pleading for his life and saying his mother is not far. And I guess he thought if he said his mother, you know, that Joel would take pity on him. But like I said, like minutes before you laid there, you were trying to kill me. So it the scene goes on for a while. You start to feel a little bad. And, and I think Ellie start, started to feel bad because she could hear him pleading for his life and also calling for his mom. And it was it was hard to watch, but it was hard to watch mostly because of the events. Um, I try not to bring too much real life into these shows, but, you know, it made me think of an incident that had been in the news with a young man. And as I tried not to watch the news reports, but, you know, hearing somebody plead for their mom, it's a show, but it, I think it, it kind of triggered me about that incident. And, um, I was glad when that scene was over. So, Normally, you know, those kind of scenes don't bother me, but because it was kind of still raw of what had happened recently. And I'm sure if you if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. I, I really don't want to go too much into it because I try not to get too 
heavy handed on these shows, but it did strike a chord in me, especially as being a parent. Um, so, you know, Joel takes this young person out. Um, then he comes in, ask her, he's trying to get into the room where she is and ask her, can you, she's like, well, there's something in front of the door. And he's like, can you move it? And he moves it. Um, they, he pushes and she pulls and he gets in the room and they realize they have to get out there because they're going to obviously be more people coming in. Um, so we get kind of an, an, a scene of seeing the hunters that are in Pittsburgh and they basically have taken the city from Fedra and we know at least in the game and, and little bits that we've seen on the show, Fedra um, was a very oppressive kind of institution. Uh, you know, they deny people food and um, did a lot of other things to keep people in line. And now that they've taken over what used to be the Fedra branch in Pittsburgh, they're not as good as they think they are. They um, they do a lot of things that, what's that line that they say? Um, the oppressive somehow become the oppressor, and they really do. Um, the whole operation is sloppy. Um, they're, they really just kind of kill in cold blood. They don't really have any value. Um, you know, they, they think they're doing the right thing, but they are, they've, they've kind of twisted it so much uh, and nobody wants to go against them. And, um, when we see them, we're, we're actually introduced to uh, Kathleen, who is the, I guess, the leader of this revolution of, of rebels. And Melanie Linsky, if you don't know her, she, she was in uh, Heavenly Creatures, Peter Jackson film, and she was also on Two and a Half Men, which I think she was wasted on that show, but she was one of the only reasons I would have ever watched it. And then now, currently, she's on Yellow Jackets. Um, she's really a fascinating character on that show. So when we meet her, she's interrogating a doctor who even at one point, he, you know, lets her know, hey, I, you know, I, I brought you in this world. I was there when you were born. And, you know, um, she's grilling him because she wants to know where the other collaborators are and I'm assuming so she can kill them. And what makes Kathleen really effective and what makes Melanie Linsky so effective is that she seems very calm, but she will act on her anger in a heartbeat. And that makes me scared, more scared of her than of Fedra, because you know, in her mind, she's doing what's right, and she has no, no problem delivering violent actions on people or or people that she feels have wronged her or or done wrong to the people she's now leading. And the doctor is telling her he doesn't know anybody. He doesn't have, you know, I don't know where these people are. They're gone, and she's like. Well, 
I wonder if this is the very cell where my brother was beaten to death. And, you know, he's a doctor. He probably has done some terrible things. And he's pleading with her, you know, you were wrong. I, I know, but I'm sorry, but this has to stop. And she just point blank tells him, oh, it has to stop now, now that you're in the cell. But before when people were dying, you were fine with everything that was going on. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. I know this is going to sound weird, but it's wonderful to see a woman being that calculated. And what I mean by that is not, it's not wonderful to see her be cruel and to see her dole out violence, but it's wonderful because she's not, when you see her, that's not what you think she would be. And, you know, typically they make women so, if they're leaders, then there's something wrong with them. You know, they're either drug addled or they're being led by men to do these things. And she she's very calculating about what she's doling out, but she just has an impulse that she acts on that, you know, is something they normally don't give to a female character. And I, I kind of relished in seeing her. I'm, I'm actually excited to see more of her as these episodes go on, if she lasts, I, I, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll see, but she is a woman and she does have humanity because when they find the young man who, um, Joel ends up killing him and she's, you know, she wants to know, can he be saved? So she is still with feeling, you know, she still has some compassion, not much, but she does have some. And, and she's like, well, even if we have a doctor, because now, you know, she has a doctor in a cell and they basically said, no, he's, he's not going to be here. So she goes back, walks back into the cell, realize the doctor has no value. He's not giving anybody up and just shoots him point blank no hesitation, no warning, no letting him plead for his life. She just takes him out at cold. I mean, just cold blooded. So she's also looking for Henry, a man named Henry. And she does blame Henry for giving Fedra information on her brother. So I'm curious how this is going to play out because in the game, Henry and his younger brother, um, they don't live in Pittsburgh. They they have a a neighborhood that they live in and they scavenge for the supplies. So this is a little different of a twist um, than the game. But before she can get any information, um, I forgot to say, uh, Kathleen here is a horn from the outside. And we see that her, I guess, second in command, Perry, is telling her, you know, about... Uh, they think that they may be some mercs or outsiders because, you know, they raided the truck and they see that it's, you know, a bunch of supplies and things like that. And so in her head, she's thinking, okay, well, maybe Henry got some people to come in or maybe these people are coming to get Henry. And she said, no, he probably used a radio to call these guys in. She doesn't have any proof of that, but 
she's so driven at this point by her hate and wanting to get revenge, she's just throwing these ideas out. And so she riles this crowd up and is basically saying that, you know, this is Henry's work and he's not going to stop until we stop him. And we need to find all of the collaborators and we need to kill them all. And her people go out in all of these Fedra vehicles that they've now commandeered and they're going door to door to look in all of these abandoned shops and apartment buildings. And they're just going to search from top to bottom. And I forgot to say um, her right-hand man, Perry, he actually is played by Jeffrey Pierce, who voices Tommy in the games. And that's one thing I really love about the show, that they, they have the people who voiced characters in the game in the game. Because the woman who played Marlene... Um, the Firefly in the first episode was the actual actress who played her, who did the voice work on the game. So we see um, after, uh, you know, we see everybody going out to look for these now mercenaries, mercs that are out there that Henry has clearly brought in lie. Um, But Joel and Ellie are hiding in an old bar. Um, They're talking a little bit. And um, Joel is letting her know that, you know, she saved his life. And in the game, it's a lot different. Um, In the game, Joel is angry when she shoots the hunter because he doesn't want to admit she saved his life. He he would have completely died if, if she didn't step in and do something. And he doesn't really express any kind of thanks or gratitude for it. I think um, he said something to be clear, it was him or me. And then Ellie says, you're welcome, because that's the closest thing she's going to get to a thank you. Here, you know, it's the wonderful thing about Pedro Pascal. He's way more open about his feelings. Um, but it's it's a typical dad feeling. You know, he, he said, I know... Um, what it's like the first time that you hurt someone like that. And he feels pained that, that this child had to hurt someone so that he could live because he doesn't want her to feel bad about what she did. And, you know, he's like, I know what it feels like the first time you do this. And she tells him straight up, that wasn't my first time. And I know we're going to see why she made that statement. And I guess he felt like, well, she had a gun, even though I didn't give her one. And he basically pulls out the pistol and gives her pointers on how to properly hold a firearm, you know, Um, where to put her hands to keep her finger off the trigger, you know, that kind of thing. And I think in, in that way, he wanted to bond with her and he wanted to let her know that he felt like she was mature enough to carry this gun. And then he also, you know, tells her, 
because she does the thing you see in movies where people put the gun in the back of their pants and he's, you know, she's going to do that. And he's like, no, nah, put it in your, in your uh, backpack. You're liable to blow your ass off doing it that way, <laughs> which I thought was really cute and true. We always see those mistakes. People put those guns in the back of their pants. It always infuriates me to no end. And that was his way of kind of letting him, letting her know that he cared and that it meant a lot to him and almost, I guess, like a thank you. Um, I, it was a very fatherly thing. I will tell you as a tomboy, <laughs> I say it and laugh because people know me. They don't, they don't think that I'm a tomboy, but I'm not very girly either, but as a tomboy who grew up with seven uncles, I learned how to shoot a BB gun. I learned how to shoot a real gun. Uh, yeah, my uncles were all in the military, so I have an extensive collection of knives. And you know, uh, it was it was sweet in a way. Uh, the way he was showing her how to properly handle that that gun, proper firearm technique. Um, that was one thing that one of my uncles would always say. You got to teach you the proper firearm technique because we don't want you blowing your fingers or your face or any of us up. <laughs> so it just made me kind of have a little moment about that. Um, now, I will tell you that um, at some point, Perry, who's uh, Kathleen's right-hand man, he finds a uh, an attic and he sees uh, a lot of drawings obviously done by a child and they've run out of food so clearly they've had to move on but that's not all that Perry has to show Kathleen he goes down to a basement and there is a patch of ground that has cracked and sunken in which kind of shifts and Kathleen says, fuck. And they retreat from the room. Now, we haven't seen the infected in a long time. It's been a couple of episodes. I would bet my bottom dollar that by the next episode, all kinds of fucking hell is going to break out with these infected. And I am here for it because it's been a moment. We haven't seen any infected since episode two. This is now episode four. A lot of people gonna die. <laughs> that's 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 the most subtle thing I can say. Because if you could see this crater, it's huge, and nothing good can come out of this. And to which point Perry is like, "Well, we need to let people know." And Kathleen, being driven and and her quest for vengeance is focused on Henry and Sam. And she's like, "Well, let's just handle what we handle. We'll deal with this after." That's not going to work out because if the ground is a bubbling and moving, <laughs> you might want to get on that shit, burn it with fire, whatever you got to do, but you need to do something, you know, don't ignore it, take care of it. But I will say, uh, Perry is more compassionate than she is at this point. And I, um, hope we get to get a little bit more 
about him because he he clearly has got military skills, and I'm wondering if maybe he was a former Fedra uh, soldier, and you know, kind of decided to jump ship and join her. Um, you know, he he seems very devoted to her, and I know that uh, this is going to be the next episode is going to be one hell of an episode, I can tell you. So we see um, Joel and Ellie and they're getting through a window, um, giving Joel's giving Ellie a boost into a window and she opens the door and they go a few, few flights up the stairs. Um, And there's a dark apartment building and they have a conversation that mirrors a moment from the Pittsburgh section of the game, Ellie asked uh, Joel how he knew the guy asking for help wasn't hurt. And he's completely honest with her. Um, he tells her he's been on both sides and he, he and Tess and the people that they ran with did whatever they needed to survive. Now, in both cases, Ellie asked Joel if he killed innocent people and in both the game and the show, he doesn't give a straight answer, but we, we, the viewers of the game and the show, we already know the answer. You know, he clearly did some things that he's, he wishes he hadn't, but like he stated, you have to do what you have to do to survive. And unfortunately, that means people who were innocent got hurt. So for the game and the TV version, uh, the Joels have that in common. And it's funny because in the video game, you know, Joel is in his mid to late fifties. He's able to crawl around and strangle people. And, you know, he doesn't break a sweat. It's a video game character, you know, but the Joel of this TV show, you know, he is very much an older gentleman. Uh, he's fit, but you know, he's old and, uh, it's, it's funny. He, uh, goes up 33 flights and he just wants to sit down for a minute and catch his breath. And that's one of the things I, I loved about it. You know, you get to see him be a real person. Even it's a video game. We want him to be uh, superhuman. Um, but he kind of sits on for a minute and Ellie's like, get up lazy ass. And he's like, I'm 56 years old. You little shit. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you, Hey man, you got to give a motherfucker a break. 33 flights of stairs at a 50. You're lucky. He didn't have a heart attack. There, then would your ass be, but he gets up, you know, he says the little quip and then they find uh, a little area and Joel uh, breaks the glass of the door and then he takes the glass and uses it kind of as a uh, trap. Like he scatters it all across the entrance of the room. And that way, if somebody walks in on them while they're sleeping, you know, he can spring to action as it were. And then uh, Joel, who usually gets asked the question, asks her what she meant when she said shooting the um, hunter in that store wasn't her first time. And she kind of rolls over and says, I don't want to talk about it. And he doesn't push her. 
But she also points out something that I noticed um, earlier in the show that she noticed he doesn't hear too well out of his right ear. And she was also worried that he might not hear even if someone were to step on the glass. Now in the game, it's completely different. (laughs) You know, once again, he's a supernatural older man. He's got keen hearing, you know, he knows where people are at walls and, but the poor hearing in his right ear might be related to, um, there's a part where she asked him where he got a scar and he said a bullet grazed him. And, um, I'm sure we'll get to that. And if they don't, you know, we won't, but before they fall asleep, Ellie, it's such a cute moment. Ellie decides to get another laugh out of him with one of those really stupid ass jokes. And it's sweet. And, uh, (laughs) she says, do you know that, uh, diarrhea is hereditary? And he's like, what? And she's like, it runs in your genes. It's just dumb as hell. And then he kind of lets his guard down and just starts laughing. And he's like, this is stupid as hell. <laughs> you know? And they both have a really good laugh at it. And he's like, Jesus, I'm, I'm losing it. And she's like, yeah, you're losing it. You're losing it big time. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And it's, it's cute. It's really cute to see them kind of have a little chuckle, you know, uh, and then they, they go to sleep, you know, they found some cushions and they're on the floor and they're trying to catch a, a little bit of sleep. But at some point, Ellie wakes Joel up and she's yelling at him, Joel, Joel. And he wakes up and sees that she's being held gunpoint by an adult. And we also see a child who has a kind of superhero mask painted on his face. Now, no doubt this is going to be Henry and Sam because the paintings, the little uh, crayon drawings that we saw, looks just like how this this child is dressed. And um, it's a little different, though, because in the game, Joel and Ellie uh, encountered them when they're fleeing from a Humvee patrolling the streets. So this is a little different, the start of their relationship. And then, you know, we're kind of going to have to see how this plays out because the meeting of Henry and Sam is is really different. And um, you definitely want to want to brace yourself because like I I said this at the top first episode there's a lot of horror there's a lot of heartbreak um even though we have these two people who you know shouldn't be family they end up becoming family and uh these two are family Henry and Sam and you know it's uh it's going to be one hell of a next episode between Henry and Sam and the now probably infected that are getting ready to burst into the city and also with the rebels looking for people who they believed are mercenaries and also still looking for Henry and Sam. I'm excited to see how this is going to play out. And uh, HBO Max is actually going to be playing the next episode. You're able to stream it if you have HBO Max um, this coming Friday. I don't know when you'll listen to this, but it's they played it Sunday and then you can watch it on Friday if you can stream it on HBO Max. And I know it's partly because of the Super Bowl and they figure people will be watching that. I am excited as hell to get two episodes in a week. So 
just listen out for me to be doing that because as soon as I watch it, I'm recording right after. <laughs> just want to let you know. But that's how that that episode ends on a on a terrible cliffhanger of you know them being held at gunpoint. And uh, I will say, obviously, if they were nefarious people, they wouldn't even have let them wake up. So you know, take take stock in that, and uh, take stock, and also that we know that Joel and Ellie are they have uh, plot armor, so we know nothing all that bad is going to happen to them at this point. But uh, that's my little recap of Please Hold My Hand. And uh, I try not to go too too lengthy into it, even though I'm giving you a recap. You know, obviously I don't tell you every little nook and cranny because, you know, watching it is different than me talking about it. But I do love talking about it. I swear to you guys, I absolutely am enjoying every single episode. I'm going to be so mad when this ends because probably have to wait two years before they do another season. But that's not now and I'm enjoying what I have. So I will wrap this up. Let me know what you think about this episode. If you're watching The Last of Us, let me know what you think about the show. If you've played the game, what you think about the differences and and the changes that they're making. I'm actually enjoying a lot of them because they're not deviating too far. And once again, like I said, a lot of these scenes are shot for shot, word for word, like the game, which is so awesome to me. Um, But I guess that's it. Uh, I hope you're doing well. Hope whoever you want to have win in the Super Bowl wins. And I guess I'll leave you with, until next time, just listen out for my voice in the darkness, and I will talk to you then. Bye.